Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to an all-new season of Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm Courtney Kosak. I'm Sophia Alexandra. And I'm Dave Rankin. And we're three friends with three different relationship statuses just trying to figure it out. So get the download every Wednesday. Welcome to Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm Courtney Kosak. I'm Sophia Alexandra. And I'm Dave Rankin. Oh my goodness. He's just been getting increasingly more normal. What's up with that? Are you a regular man? I'm Dave Rankin. Are you okay? What's going on, Dave? I'm Dave Rankin. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Very mork. Right? I don't know. I never saw that show. I'm Dave Rankin. Yeah. Dave, what's okay, going on with you? So what's going on in real life? IRL on voice. Honestly, I'm heartbroken. Yeah? Yeah. What's, I, uh, what's up? I don't know. I just keep letting him back in. And every time I do, he hurts me. And I'm like, I really should move on. Is this about your cat? <laughs> no. Is this about someone in sports? No, it's pizza. You're an idiot. Also, why is pizza male? Yeah, pizza is clearly a woman. I keep letting her back in, even though she hurts me. And I'm like, maybe she won't hurt me this time. Turns out, guys, after this week, I've realized that I am officially fully um, lactose intolerant. Um, Last year, it was milk. It was ice cream. I don't know if this is a bit. Is this real? No, I'm. This is his real life. Oh, okay. I, I Anytime tried. it's about like a, like a physical condition, <laughs> Dave this for sure real. has it. Yeah. <laughs> on top of all the other things going on in my life, I have to that I'm trying to make changes on. I've had to realize yesterday after a brutal, brutal response to Pizza Hut Pizza. Wait, when can we call this segment "Chit Chit Chit Changes" and then I will sing every time "Chit Chit Chit Changes." Yeah. I feel like we should work on the segments I offline know. for sure. <laughs> I like it. I appreciate you trying to sing on that one, though. We haven't had Coco. Yeah, I thought she jams. was going to come in with the voice, <laughs> and then we both did I instrumental. Didn't and I didn't the, know the words. Change days, the change days. No, it's changing. like turn. Turn Dave's time. Or, no, no, are we singing a different song? We're singing oh, the yeah, David Bowie song. What are you singing? Who knows? Tupac changes. <laughs> okay. Well, let's never change. gonna be the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what you're telling us. Too. We listen, will combine them. Okay. Listen, let's cut to the chase. You had some bad BMs. Oh my god. <laughs> Is that what On we're top of about? everything else I'm dealing with, <laughs> I have to because we were talking about this on the phone, me and Sophia, and she's like, Sophia's like, you try to change everything at the same time. And I'm like, I don't want it to be the case, but sometimes things come up, and on top of it all, I have to say 
finally say goodbye to pizza. I and it honestly, I feel heartbroken. <laughs> I feel like pizza's been. You know what? Girls come and go. They always have. Pizza's been there, you dude. When I went like keto, I gave up pizza and it sucked balls. I know. When I would see it, I'd like gaze at it like a long lost lover. I, I, I'd You've just done a good job, like, not. Because me and you ate so much pizza we for really so did. long. And then you just That was like a really solid third in our friendship for the first b- <laughs> bunch of years. Yeah. We would get to Which pizza place? All yeah. Time. Yeah, we'd get different places. To- you can get dairy free pizza. I got to be one of those fucking assholes now. That's okay. Get the you live in vegan LA. Pizza? That's why you live yeah, there. I mean, have you done this it? This is the place to be a piece of shit. Have you done this vegan pizza or whatever? Have you nah. tried this stuff? Have you? Do the dairy free stuff? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't I need was to be dairy free. That's why I didn't do uh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the vegan pizza is quite good. I actually still get it when I go to Whole Foods. I don't trust you. You literally only eat 7 Eleven. <laughs> so I stop really suggesting. You don't eat 7 Eleven pizza, do you? <laughs> yes, she does. You've not seen her eat those slices? Yeah, I really. <laughs> I mean, I have to, but. I'll eat it if it's really old. We've already been over this she, on the podcast. Okay, she's so gross. Listen. But Are what's you- going on with you? Tell um, us for real. We're burning time here. <laughs> what is going on in your life? Dave's like, I don't talk that much during the podcast. We're like, what's going on with you? He's like, fart noise. We're like, okay, well, thanks for letting the listeners get to know you. I talk. I mean, I talk sometimes. Uh, it's, they're some of my favorite times. So I agree. those are the best times of the whole podcast. Well, yeah, I'm most upset and heartbroken about the pizza thing, but um um, if you other. say pizza one more time, I'm going to fucking punch you in the nuts. <laughs> um, You're like Mark Maron with his fucking cats. It's like, sorry. I'm also like <laughs> Get that over with it. my cat too. Yeah. I'm like that with my cat and my pizza. Um, You're just having like come to Jesus life. Yeah. Dark night of the soul kind of situation. Yeah. It's a total. It's a total. Eclipse of the heart. Eclipse of <laughs> yes, the heart. Sophia. I really yes. just want to sing. <laughs> I don't know. Totally. Turn around, bright eyes. Every now and then I fall apart. We're going to have to pay royalties. Okay. Dave, Dave, please tell us about your life so we're not forced to sing or, or about it, okay? Um, I mean, uh, you know... People go through things. I'm going through it. I am dealing definitely with a, I'm dealing with like a depression. I'm meeting with a counselor, a depression mm-hmm. and anxiety counselor. It's the first time I've ever met with someone about my stuff. Um, I feel like. Uh, Do you feel, would you say overdue? Yeah. Okay. You know, I think last year I mm-hmm. was feeling this way, at least being vocal about it. And then. I kind of always thought of myself as someone who wasn't a depressed person or like, I don't, I don't. The motherfucking stigma, man. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not one of those people who wallows and gets depressed. Like when I'm feeling depressed. I'm like, is that what you've been thinking about me this whole time? No, (laughs) you're like clinically depressed. No. (laughs) You're like, no, 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 no. You're clinical garbage. You're medically a trash trash can. It's different. It is different. But like, I don't know. I just kind of thought like, yeah, I, you know, I know how to turn it around whenever I'm feeling down. I know I got, I got a process and I put together a list and then I do that list. And then I'm like, see, turned it around. And, and, uh, so last year when I was, um, pretty bummed, uh, I started, I just made a comedy album. 
And I like good outlet. Me, I think good outlet. I thought it was number a good two move. on the iTunes charts. You know, keep, to, keep listen if you haven't listened uh, because it's an album that I made to try and be real about my situation while also coming out with the comedy album, mm-hmm. uh, which was a weird, ambitious thing to to try and do. And I think I I am happy with it when it came yeah, out. Yeah, it's great. But it's really good. But then it's like you when know you that live was your dream when I live my dream. Or when I li- sorry when I <laughs> when you guys live your dream I'll be, I'll be over here uh, with the title of the album <laughs> I don't know like because that's what I've always done like when I was heartbroken over a girl and I was depressed like I made music like so I was like I'll make music and I'll work it out artistically you know and that um, while it felt really great to come out with something and be like yeah I really addressed my issues I didn't address my issues at all with like actually addressing them. Like I just, I just made it into the, what, what I say well, is like there's an more ar- work to be done. Yeah. Like it was an outlet to be like, look stuff I'm going totally. through, but it wasn't like, and then when I was here again, a year later, I was like, okay, now I actually need to like do something about this and change bad habits or meet with doctors or counselors. And so like addressing not only like the causes of my anxiety slash depression, but also like, yeah, like changing habits. So I'm doing a lot of all of it right now, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like what we talk about on this podcast anyway. Like we all have our little self-care, self-improvement things Mm -hmm. we're doing. So I'm I'm meeting with uh, Stacy. I don't know if we talked about Stacy. We've you, talked about a friend. A I don't know. We, I don't it's know if we've talked Stacey. about Dr. Counselor Stacey. Stacey. We've talked about friend Stacy. Yeah, Counselor Stacy. She's like uh, this disapproving Jewish mother, which is which like is how old is she? Um, <clears throat> older than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. She said that she's been doing this longer than I've been alive. So okay. You oh know, wow. You know, so she's not a doctor. She's not prescribing me anything. This is like a program that they created through at Kaiser to like you know it's like a six or eight week session mm-hmm. thing that you like kind of like go over like it's your, like a coach kind of a kind therapist of, yeah. slash coach yes pretty much and it's been eye-opening for sure like i because of her demeanor which is kind of like this disappointment <laughs> like kind of like not impressed brooklyn mother because i think that's where she's from it's kind of like has me trying to like prove her wrong like I'll show you, Stacy. I'm gonna. <laughs> it's all can, part of her whole thing. I can, yeah, she's like yeah, I have 100 success yeah. rate. Yeah, like, I'll show you. I don't need to smoke weed every day. She's like, yeah, that's awful. So I'm not now. I'm not doing something. So she's basically said that like my whole life I have been using substances uh, to as self. I've been self medicating myself mm-hmm. because. I have never been properly diagnosed for what she believes I have, what she thinks I'm a hyper-focus ADHD. Uh, like she says, I'm like a classic case of that. So I, you know, again, not a doctor, but she's not been doing this a long time. Okay. okay. She's been doing it a long time. And she's like, um, she says a lot of people go in there for like depression and turns out that it's something else or, you know, so she was like, listen, and she I had just great. Don't know. Can I, sorry, can mm. I side note? I don't know if the answer to I've been treating all my issues with substances is like you have ADHD and maybe now you need to go on Adderall. Like, I know, I don't right? Know. I will, yeah. Could be dangerous. Could be. As someone who you, 
was for a while addicted to Adderall. I'm just going to just throw I that out I used to there. be prescribed too much Adderall. I wasn't addicted to it, but it was like definitely too much. So just be careful with. I would mm-hmm. go lowest dose. That's what I would like to do. I know. It's just, it is an addictive substance. It's like white lab coat meth. I've you never know. had a problem with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I told her everything, you know, coffee, nicotine, marijuana, fucking drugs. She was just like, yep, this all sounds like you've been trying to just, you just keep telling your brain, you've been telling your brain your whole adult life, like to, to keep getting it up and, and just keep feeding it these substances. And my brain's just like, I can tell like he's just, he, she uh, has had it. <laughs> Pizza's a she. My little Dave. A little Dave. Little Dave is done. Like he's been ta- he's been tapped out. I think for a good two years. Can I, but <laughs> yeah, no. Listen, I think it's I think it's great that you're like really being proactive on this journey, and you're like trying to deal with these issues. I am concerned a little bit about Stacy's kind of expertise level. Yeah, and well, also I'm not like, only going to meet with her. Like, I'm also going to be getting with a You're saying I'm yeah. depressed and she's like going like way out in left field it seems like maybe you should do some classic treatments for like, depression totally. first. I'm going to be Just doing my both. two cents also not a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As a third not a doctor, here's my prescription. Um no, but I I do think like I honestly if there's anything I've learned through my mental health journey I hate saying journey, <laughs> um, but I have to say it now. Once, since you have cancer, like once you have it, you just have to call everything your journey. Everything's a journey now. Um, but yeah, she. I just feel like it. You, you, you have to be careful, and it takes like a lot of people sometimes. And sometimes you might not know that the person you're going to is like not quite right until later. And I don't know. There's just a lot to be said for like finding the right people who can help you. Like I have a psychiatrist and. A therapist, then they're very different. They're like opposite people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, I like that. And I feel like sometimes it takes a long time to find the right combination of people and drugs and whatever else and therapy. So you should just be open to whatever permutation could Definitely. happen, you know? And talking to somebody who is a doctor would be really helpful. Because even plan. my old psychiatrist apparently like was not that into he was like not that experienced in actually prescribing. He was a psychiatrist who did a lot of talk therapy. So that was like most of his focus and he prescribed also a little, mm-hmm. but not nearly as much as like my current psychiatrist who was, who's really popping pills. Yeah. He's just popping pills. No, but you've seen <laughs> you know, enough people different. try things and you've like seen, because it is, it's like hit or miss and like people don't, okay, we shouldn't be just armchair. <laughs> No, we're just saying, we're just saying, check out different people. Yeah. Well, I remember, sure. you know, years yeah. ago when you were going through that yeah, and you were horrible. like, yeah, I mean, it took you months, several times and several different things. Like I remember her like cycling onto something and cycling off and then finally like finding the thing yeah. that was good. Yeah. I it mean, took me I'm, a bunch of tries. I'm prepared that that could be what I'm about to go through, but, um, and I'm not, and this is just what I've been told so far by one person. Right. So Meeting with her again next week, but I'm also going to like be also making an appointment with a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm, so, good. you know, obviously I wanted to talk about that because she can't even at the I, I even at the end of the sessions, um, there's she's not going to be like great. So now you're prescribed this or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like right, she, right, there's, right. it's just to like create healthy patterns because I think that's also important because it's like I don't want to just be given a pill and be like take Adderall now or whatever. Well, no, it's or whatever. clearly a combination of working on things. Totally. And- 
So I'm trying to like accountability is really good too. Yeah, totally. And it's weird. I've I've even seen some positive effects. She has me journaling. Journaling Dude, is journaling's so the best. Good. I started too recently. I'm on yeah. my like forty second entry, and it's pretty cool. I've never done it for this long yeah. ever. I started journaling uh, when I was going through a breakup. Now I'm a little more sporadic, but I I was like religious, like daily for I've a long time. And I feel better when really, I do daily, but it's hard. Yeah, I mostly do it maybe once, twice a week. Yeah, but I highly recommend, especially if you're going through a lot, like. I think that's perfect because it really helps you like get the shit that is that you're maybe not even aware of it that's going through your head like out on paper in a way that you can like see it or, or like if you don't want to write something you're like why don't I want to write that down yeah, maybe yeah. I don't like that so much and like you know I need to figure out why I feel I like forced into it in the beginning so I start real like whatever and then it's like I get yeah, some you have topic, so much you know? to say about a thing I also find that it's really good for I mean I'm not that good at like remembering what happened <laughs> like in my yeah, weeks. no same so it's really good for tracking because sometimes, you know, you'll feel like, oh, man, I've been depressed for two weeks. And then your doctor will be like, well, what happened two weeks ago? And you're like, I don't fucking know. Uh-huh. But this way, you can look at your journal entries and be like, oh, that's when I didn't get that gig. Or that's when I wrote about, like, having this conversation. And you don't even realize. You're like, oh, I, yeah, that bothered me. I guess since then, I've been, like, on a downward track or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Or, and it's important to find out. Oh, my God. That's the day I took 10 sim- poops because of the time I <laughs> ate pizza. Don't eat pizza. It's just helpful for for mood tracking and for pattern recognition and being like, oh, you know what makes me happy when this day I did this and this and this? That was a great day. You can even sometimes, if you don't feel like writing a whole entry, just, um, you know, my old therapist taught me the happy face system. It's like you just go in and you write the date and you write like whatever face you feel like describes how the day went. So then you could even go and just flip Mm -hmm. through and be like, oh, that was, you know, this a bad emoji. week or a good week or whatever. Or you can do the Brett Kavanaugh method where you just like keep a really detailed uh. calendar. <laughs> <laughs> just a super detailed rape journal. Just yeah. A, yeah. Okay. So uh, we will do more updates in future episodes because. But also, you know, I think it's important to talk about mental health because it was also mental health awareness and. Totally. You guys were on trend. We are, we are, really are. but we're, no, we're a podcast that like, you know, dabbles and not dabbles, but we try to, we try to become we're better all mentally people. ill. We're mentally ill people trying to get better basically. And I, and I just want to say that if you're a mentally ill person, start a podcast, you should start a podcast <laughs> and you should definitely get help. And if you need help, um, in my bio on instagram right now i have a link to a, a list of therapists in la if you're in la and if not reach out i can help you find are, somebody yeah. reach out if you need help reach, reach out, out. To us. also oh one more thing before i introduce our guests send us if you guys have any questions like if you're like going through some dating thing or like you have some indecipherable text or situation any kind of problem any kind of problem that's on topic for our show send it over we would love to help you with that shit we are clearly you know can barely help ourselves <laughs> but we would really like to give it a shot you know if you know I mean? any good vegan pizza joints just hold us up with any any suggestions Call of us. anything <laughs> okay we um emma koenig i think i said that right god damn it 
uh, is our guest today. <laughs> she edited an essay collection called Moan, and it's all, all these stories about orgasm, which is amazing from a female perspective. The book is amazing. You guys should get it. She was so much fun. Did we not have mm. the best time? She was the best. She's great. It was yeah. a delight. Yeah, it was kind of none of us really knew her before. Just were familiar through the book. And, uh, and now we're all married. Now, Yeah. So meet our new wife. It's your girl, Cokes. And as you know, I have been super hype on these ritual vitamins for months now. And I love them so much, I convinced Sophia to hop on the bandwagon with me. Doot, doot. Guess who joined the game? Um, I'm really loving these ritual vitamins. I have to take vitamins as part of my cancer treatment, I do. And I was buying grocery store vitamins, and these are so much better because I really feel a difference. They are not made to be on shelves for like long periods of time the way that grocery store vitamins are. And these are vegan, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. They're also made without synthetic fillers or colorants in the USA, which is really important to me because I don't like putting toxic stuff in my body post-cancer. And you guys, they're only 30 bucks a month and delivered to your door, which is definitely less than I was spending. And I'm just so excited for all the benefits I'm seeing. 95% of women do not get the vitamins and minerals they need on a daily basis, you guys. That's why Ritual created a smarter vitamin with the nine essential ingredients women lack most. Go to ritual.com reality. That's right, guys. Choose clean ingredients backed by science. Sign up now at ritual.com reality. Hey guys, I am super excited to introduce you to our guest this week, Emma Koenig. She is the author of Moan, Anonymous Essays on Female Orgasm. Hey, what's up? Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. We were joking before we started that Dave's going to learn a lot this week. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I wasn't joking. Well, yeah, jokes come from a place of truth. Yeah, I just really think that... There's going to be more stuff that Dave hears today that's going to change his world than other things. That was my phone falling, if you heard that, audience. Just teach me. Okay, okay. That sounds like an invitation. So uh, this moan started as a blog first. Correct. And same with your first book? Yes. Um, So the first book was uh, Fuck I'm in My 20s. Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of how did you like start the blog trajectory that led to these books? And then, um, yeah, what led you to start the moan? Well, so with Fuck I'm in My 20s, it was truly an accident that like anything became of it. I mean, I basically wanted to make a zine Mm -hmm. and I kept putting that off, but like developing ideas for it. And then uh, my family was kind of like, just put it online. Like, what are you doing? And so I made this Tumblr, which Tumblr was very popular at the time. And then very quickly, you know, it picked up steam and people were looking at it and it led to it being a book. And then because I had done that path before unintentionally, I knew how to do that. (laughs) So I thought that would be a good way to start the moon project, which I always knew I wanted to be a book, but I thought, you know, 
it's good to have like a test ground, see how people are reacting and if people are even interested before you spend all this time and energy trying to make it into something more. Mm-hmm. Um, what did yeah. it look like when you first started that blog? And like, what was the early response? For fucking my 20s or Moan? Oh, for Moan, yeah. Well, so I did it. So basically like the backstory, I get into this in the intro of the book, but you know, for I people it, who I haven't read, it, read the intro. <laughs> so basically it all started from just, a bad sexual experience I had. And I was kind of like, you know, how can this be that there's like such miscommunication between sexual partners and like specifically about the female orgasm. And it feels Mm -hmm. like we are just miseducated as a society about what that even is, how to get there. Like what is good sex? Um, I feel like we've had such a great conversation about like consent in the past few years, which was not the case when I was in high school or college. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, yeah, consent's great, but consent is the bare minimum. Right. Like, you also want to like have like great sex, not just like, I said it was good. I said it was okay that we were doing this. Um, <laughs> so, so I think because I, this experience really stayed with me and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, I gotta explore this phenomenon of like, misunderstood female sexuality and I really want to get to the truth about female desire and not just desire but like frustration too because like that guy thought he got you off yeah this one guy he, just, he really catapulted this <laughs> I know I thank him <laughs> in some ways um but but uh yeah I mean I think that is just such a typical experience that like I mean when it happened I wasn't like how how dare you I was kind of like yeah, it is tough. It is tough to know because like the way we learn about female orgasm or just like sexuality in general is from like, you know, pop culture and pornography and religion and just like all these things which give you a really distorted view mm-hmm. on sex, whether you're male or female or neither. I, I, and so I reached out to about 200 women and I wrote about this experience I'd had um, and I was like, wait, 200 <laughs> yeah. women. How did you, get- you know, just some close personal friends. <laughs> Corey's like, close- how do you meet that many people? I would I love to know more. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, is anyone outside of this room available for friendships? Well, I mean, I definitely like talked, like I, I emailed a lot of people that are not necessarily close friends. You know, I was just like women who I have met in my life. Like, do you want to talk about this? Um, and people responded in this really intense way. Mm, and I wrote, you know, yeah. Cause it was like, I wrote like a insane email that was like really long. And I said at the top, like, this is a really long email. Wait till you're like in an Uber or like you're in line <laughs> for something. Like you don't want to accidentally start reading this. And you know, people never respond to my emails in general. <laughs> I just feel like email is like a terrible form of communication. So the fact that people actually read it mm-hmm. actually were like, I want to participate. I was like, Oh, this is big. This is exciting. Um, so then I started collecting all these essays from people and asked them to forward it to other people. So it, I didn't necessarily have to know the person personally. Um, and, uh, I would work with people to an extent. I didn't really want to like over edit what people were saying, but sometimes I'd read an essay and be like, Oh, I love this part. Like, what were you feeling in that moment? Or like, what made you think of that? Or, or, you know, I tried to just like push people a little, um, but mostly kind of was hands off. And then I wanted to drop them all at once Beyonce style. So I was like, (laughs) August 17th, 2015. (laughs) 
is the big date. Um, because is there I was, a music video for each essay? <laughs> I wish. Yeah. I mean, that's my next that trick. That sounds okay. so good. Please do that. <laughs> because I, I was like, there's something like the way that I did fuck in my twenties, which totally different. Cause it was like drawings, but I tried to be really diligent about that. Even with no end goal. I was just like, I'm going to post one like every day at midnight. Cause I thought that's when people would be online looking at Tumblr. Oh. Um, and so she's wily. <laughs> I'm very wily. Um, so I think with this, I was like, I feel like this won't hit people the same way. If it's like an essay a day or an essay a week, I think you have to feel like this huge weight of this encyclopedic knowledge all at once of like, Oh my God, like all of them next to each other. I felt like it would leave more of an impact. And I think I was right Mm -hmm. because then people were really looking at it. Um, And then did you go back? um, I, I wasn't familiar with the project until I came across the book. mm -hmm. Um, Did you like keep adding more essays or like, how was, what was the trajectory of that? Well, so, okay. So first off, I'll just say that the blog was called how to make me come. Mm -hmm. And I changed it for the book just to be a little more accessible to the Mm -hmm. average everyday American. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but I really like the directness <laughs> of how to make me come. Yeah, because that was because like basically the prompt that I asked women to write from was if you could write an essay entitled how to make me come, give it to a past, present, future sexual partner. Uh, okay. What would you want them to know? I love that. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, if you don't literally want to answer that, just like whatever your feelings are, whatever you want to say about female orgasm. But to answer your question about like after I posted the Beyonce day, (laughs) um, I did start, like I made an email account. I started like getting random people, uh, like submitting, submitting, but I found it to be a more challenging experience to navigate that than when I was like spending three months leading up to Mm -hmm. the drop date, because even though there were a bunch of people I didn't know in that bunch, it was different to have people already see what the project was and then send them to me. Um, Mm. I felt like in some ways, sometimes people were like misunderstanding it. Um, For example, you know, there was a woman who like wrote something. She was like very upset about a date she had gone on with this guy. And like, I was trying to offer the same kind of like gentle guidance I had in the first iteration of just like, okay, so I feel like this is kind of like, generalizing about like men and I don't think that's what you actually mean or is it like and she was like well isn't that the point of this to kind of that it's like to kind of shame men and I was like oh absolutely not that's not my intention so I just found it like I don't want to get into those conversations with people I don't know about like Mm -hmm. who perceive the project to be something else and it was just me and I was getting too many emails and I was like, I got to like take a break. So I posted like some of those, but then I was like, I have to take a step back. <laughs> I love, uh, it's in your intro of moan, but you say when we misunderstand or ignore female orgasm, we are misunderstanding and ignoring women, which I mean, that's not, you're not trying to shame men. It's mm-hmm. like an education. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, well, I think it's like, hopefully therapeutic for the people who are writing it Mm -hmm. and reading it. And also, I mean, not just for men. I mean, I was, I was joking about Dave (laughs) learning a lot, but honestly, like I I hope to learn a lot too. I mean, anybody who wants to make a woman come can learn from that and about themselves too. Totally. Um, And so that made me want to ask you, like, can you name like, 
I don't know, one or a couple things that you were surprised to learn about female orgasm? Well, I think um, in getting, you know, some people have told me that when they've read the book, male and female, they've gotten like defensive reading things, been like, yeah. that's, or that's like not what happens or whatever. And it's just like reminds us all that like sexuality is so idiosyncratic and like everybody's turned on and turned off by different things. Um, and I think it's potentially even more complicated for women on like an anatomical level and also just like on a psychological level because of the culture we were raised in. But I think I felt that way too, not defensive per se, but just, I would read things and be like, really, is that like real? Be like, um, because that's not what it's like for me. What's like an example. Yeah. What do you so, mean? So like one of them was talking about, um, how she comes so easily, even just from like friction in her jeans. That's this, me. Yeah. Bitch, that's this great. Bitch. And, and I, and I like, you know, knew on some level that wasn't like uh, a shocking thing to me. I was like, yeah, I kind of have heard whispers of that, but it was, it's so disconnected from my experience that I was like, not yeah, Maybe surprise is the wrong word, but just like, Oh, it's, it's exciting to see something like a really comprehensive take on something I've never experienced. It feels foreign to me. Um, so you're like, it is real. Yeah. Yeah. They're and out, myth is real. Right. There. And I think that like, that's, I kind of, it was like a reeducation for me about sexuality. Cause like, as I keep saying, I'm like, I'm not a sexual expert at all. Like, I'm just like someone who's interested in sex. I'm just a fan, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm not like a, an expert on it. So I think like, you're like an enthusiast. Totally, totally. A collector. Um, but uh, yeah, I just feel like reading all those essays re-educated me because it was just like, right, everybody's different. Like, I love the ones that contradict each other. Like, there are people who are like, don't you dare, like, push me down, make make it violent, uh -huh. call me a bitch. And other people are like, slap me around, call me yeah, a bitch, yeah, I'll yeah. come right away. <laughs> um, and it's like, great to just see that it's such a spectrum. In your intro, you talk about like being 12 and like having your first like over the <laughs> over the bra, over the bra action. It just made me go because like when I was that age, I remember being in fifth grade and I had a teacher who went to my same church and I was like, uh, I was like a kid who liked to like masturbate when I was by myself or mm -hmm. whatever. And there was like a ridge on this desk chair that was like, oh my God. <laughs> you guys. You were like, is that Cherridge single? What's it doing for prom? <laughs> Seriously. So I was like in class as a fifth grader, mm -hmm. like rubbing my fucking vagina on yeah. the thing during math. And like, I remember her being like, call she was like probably not trying to bring it to the attention of my classmates, but I remember her being like shaming me essentially, mm. which fair enough. I shouldn't have been doing it at that moment. But also like I went to church. I just like got it in my head kind of in that moment that I was like, 
oh, this is bad. Like I shouldn't do this for a long. And then I didn't do it as much for and were a really you like long time. Cognizant in that moment that it was a sexual thing, or were you just kind of like, well, I was this like, like, this feels, feels fucking great. <laughs> How long did so, you go? This is like like that story that you've heard me tell about getting busted when I was a kid, like uh, mast- like using other kids to help me masturbate <laughs> in kindergarten when I, I was five. Oh, have you not heard me no. tell the story? Yeah, and and my teacher called my mom in. And my mom was super pissed because she's a single mom and she's like always working. And it's like she had to come down to kindergarten because they were like, your daughter's using other children in the class to help her jerk off. And my mom was so mad when she got there. And then my teacher like came out and she brought out a needle and thread. And she said, if you ever do something like this again, I'm going to sew your mouth shut. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was five, you guys. I was like oh and then i just was like okay i guess i'm just gonna keep my masturbating to myself well you're not gonna you're not gonna sew the other part up right yeah story i'm like well that's not the part that was i was like those aren't the lips that are causing the problem (laughs) but um but it didn't stop me it just stopped me from involving other people and my jerking off i was like well now i have to keep this on the dl Mm -hmm. and it is like a normal person you guys no it's it's shameful it's i um i felt like the reason i started telling this as a story is because I felt so ashamed of it for like so long of in course. my life. Yeah. Because I was like, oh my God, only a real deranged sex maniac would do this at like five, you no, know? totally. And I just, it was one of those things you think about secretly your whole life. You're like, if anybody found this out about me, I would die. And it's like you telling me that right now made me feel better about my thing too. And me telling my story made me feel better. Like a million, the million, every time I did it, it was like, oh, this is so much less shameful. But it, it followed me into like my sex life eventually with guys. Like I wouldn't want to masturbate around guys and was really like, yeah, I then didn't really like explore that even more until my late twenties. It's just crazy. It's like, how did you find shame coming up a lot in these? There, there's definitely a lot of shame in the essays. Um, I feel like, I've been really lucky in that, like, I was raised Jewish, but not like super religious. Um, my parents were always like, uh, I was about to say, like, encouraging me to have sex. That's not what I mean. <laughs> but, but, but I think like never made me feel bad about sex. Never told me it was bad. Um, I got sex ed in high school, which was like fine. So I feel like all the forces were like typically it could, you know, make you feel really bad. I didn't have, and yet. I'm still just like a girl who grew up in America. So I I still have, you know, my own shame about different things that like I think is impossible to just like uh, circumnavigate. It, it's just there's always going to be it coming from some direction. Um, even if you have like, oh, no one told me it was bad ever. Mm-hmm. You still just get these little whispers from the world that it is. Totally. So like start, starting with the guy feeling you up over your bra (laughs) then like kind of what were your other firsts if you feel comfortable well i feel like um the big first of like losing my virginity i think and i i can't remember if i even talk about that in the book but i think that like i really wanted to make sure it was really special Uh because not because anyone told me to but just because i was like i think if you do if you have a really positive experience with that then leading forward, like your sex life will be better. Like I just had some sense of like, I don't want to psychologically damage myself by having sex with the wrong person. 
Um, so the opposite. <laughs> what I was thinking. I love it. Which, which I think is like different for every person. Like I think at a certain point I went to a high school where like, you know, it felt like at a certain point I was the only virgin, uh. which I know wasn't true, but just like, I feel like everyone was having sex so young. So like, I remember being 15 and looking around being like, Oh my God, I'm the only virgin. And like, being like, should I just have sex with like a buddy and just like call it a day just to like get over that? And my mom said something to me, which really struck me where she was like, you know, having sex, anybody can have sex. Like it's not special. It doesn't make you like smarter or like more mature or more interesting. It's like the easiest thing to do. So like if you're thinking about it as like a status thing, like just throw that away because anyone can have sex. What a cool speech. I know. I'm Your mom's a that. smart lady. <laughs> she's great. Well, she's a therapist, which helps. Uh, um, that can go either way though. You true, know? true. So, so then I feel like I really had in my head, like I want to wait till I'm in love. Um, and then, so I did that. I waited until I was love and I met this guy at a summer program and we, I, well, I think he maybe wasn't a virgin, but I lost my virginity to him and it was like, great. It was like really discussed beforehand. I think I even told my parents beforehand, like, <laughs> this oh is what's going to happen. Like, he's the one, he's the one it's going to happen. And so it felt like this kind of nice preserved experience. Do I think like, if you don't have that, like your sex life is damaged forever? No. But I think like, that's just something I really wanted for me that I knew like it would be important to me. So I hope if like, yeah, people are listening to this who are virgins, that that's like a really cool takeaway because I think, yeah, you're right. It's not that it's going to fuck you up forever if you don't do this, Mm -hmm. but like clearly it's so much more gratifying for you if you do. Yeah. If you, if you want, I mean, I think after that, I was like, great, had that experience. Like now I'm not going to hold every experience to the same standard as that. Orgasm first time? (laughs) Uh, no. Probably not, right? Probably hurt so fucking much. I feel like I probably probably said that I had one because I like didn't totally get what it was. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, well, it's, it's funny because like, I remember at that time in my life of like being in high school and even younger, uh, that we were just the conversations between like me and my girlfriends were so much more open about sex in a strange way than they are now because we were all doing things for the first time. So we would be like, wait, what does it feel like when somebody fingers you? Like, what do you do? Like, we're just asking all these nitty gritty questions, which now would just be like perceived as kind of bizarre. Mm. Like, what did it feel like when that guy fingered you last weekend? (laughs) Um, But I think, People would be like, Sophia, you're a little too invested <laughs> in my sex life. But I feel like when you do get to have those conversations with close friends, you, that's where you discover you're like, oh my God, me too. Like, I feel that way about whatever sexual thing. Um, and it's really nice. Yeah, I like it when Courtney bonds with me by telling me about her butt eating. It's great. <laughs> do, do you like butt eating? I mean, she likes to have her butt eat. Who, who that's what I'm, Yeah, I don't like to eat, but, but just, I mean, whatever, each to their own. <laughs> I feel like in 2018, it's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend Peggy Sinat, who's super funny, has this joke about how uh, she's like, you know, that song, My Neck, My Back, My Pussy, and My Crack was yeah. so ahead of its time. She's like, <laughs> I, I remember in the 90s, we were listening to being like, and my crack? Oh my and gosh. Now are like, and she's and like, crack, now, obviously. and she's like, and, uh, and now it's like, well, if you're a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I that, that bit. joke. Crazy. Guys, check out Peggy Sinat. Yeah, She's super funny. I heard her do that bit at your last yeah, show. So good. Um, so what are some tips for women, especially women, since that's what this book is about, um, trying to communicate to their partners how 
to make them come. <laughs> totally. Well, that's the question. <laughs> it is the question. Well, I think step one is you really have to like do some soul searching by yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I think that even with asking people to write this essay, a lot of people were like, wow, this is one of the hardest things for me to write. And I think um, it's because we often don't give ourselves the space to really contemplate our own sexuality. I think there's a lot of pressure to be a sexual expert. Um, it's like basically once you lose your virginity, you've had sex, you know, it's like I've been having sex for like 15 years or whatever. I, it seems like, oh, I should be, I should know everything about it and everything about myself. Sure. But it's just like, no, of course you don't. Cause it's like a new person every time you grow older, your tastes change, your body changes, like your mind changes. So it's like, you have to keep up with yourself as you're evolving. Um, and so I think it's like, yeah, maybe when I was like 15, I had one idea about what sex meant and I don't know if it's exactly the same thing now. So it's like, I'd say one, you know, take an afternoon, take an evening, (laughs) just do some, some quiet thinking. Um, and then I think there's a couple ways to like go about actually communicating. I think it's like communication is the hardest thing ever. Um, especially like we live in this culture and hopefully it's getting better, but like, you know, where, men can be easily emasculated and you know sex is especially touchy in that way yeah I mean I think like now what's cool about right now is I think people are being forced to have uncomfortable conversations about sex um what sucks is it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but I think it's like better to do that than to be like oh, I don't really know what's allowed and like what's cool it's like yeah might as well just like have a weird conversation for like five minutes about like this is what you know, I want you to do to me or this is what I don't want than to just be in the moment. Um, I think like, as a guy, like I would appreciate that conversation, which I've had that mm-hmm. conversation a few times, but like more than just assuming that, Oh, she's not really coming and she's not make, she's not trying or we're not trying to work to get that to happen. Totally. Almost like it's like, get it over with. Like, I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as this book shows, it's like, it's so different for every woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I hope that the invisible thread too is like, it's different for men too. It's like, I think people have joked about like, if this were a book written by men, it would be like one page. (laughs) Um, that's funny. But I think, cause it's like, yeah, in general, it's probably easier for a guy to come. Like, I think there's no argument there, but at the same time, like to pretend like it feels exactly the same for each person. And like people are turned on by the same stuff is like misleading and wrong. So, um, and also I guess it's a juggling of, of two people's styles and everything to make one pleasurable pleasurable experience for both of them yeah so it's like just because you're like okay i know what makes me come and what makes the other person come that doesn't mean you're gonna have great sex totally. right because it's right. like a bunch of it is also the experience of it right you could just like make each other come in two minutes like great but also <laughs> like no, there's lots of shit compatibility just yeah everything. the sexiness of it is all the other parts that go into it too you know totally. it's not just like it's not just so goal oriented that if you get that goal quote unquote that you're like well that was a great sexual experience right, right? it's right. like all the other things make it a great sexual experience too yeah for sure and i think like also a lot of times people talk about how like talking about sex can be like so dry and awkward 
Um, and it like takes away like the magic, which like, I totally understand that if it's during sex sometimes. Yeah. That's yeah. why the talk I'm like, when, like how to do it. Sure. That's a tip. Right. But, like, you wouldn't want to me it. to be like, you know what would be hot if you ate my ass. Um, <laughs> I think that's great. I, I don't I like getting, that. I don't like order. I don't like order taking. I don't, that feels weird. Oh. So what do you, what, how would you like a woman to approach you, Dave? If it was like, if it was like, uh, I sent him a text. Yeah, just text me. Uh, <laughs> that's how I communicate best. Well, that's great. No, seriously. <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't. I, don't, I was supporting the text. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, if it was a separate conversation, but I feel like it's, I mean, and a little bit of direction, sure, but like, it's like, stop the presses. It's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That feels that, that feels So wait, like, would you yeah. rather somebody like, okay, let's say like I had sex with you last night. Mm-hmm. Would you rather today I text you and I'm like, hey, you know, a uh, great time last night. Just a few notes. Just, yeah. No. Just some points. No, like after that sex. Sounds like, awful no, 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 no. I don't no, know no. how you kidding. would. I was kidding about that. I mean, like after sex, maybe you're like laying down, like maybe that would be an opportunity. Like, be- mm. But don't you feel like in the afterglow, you're like, that was pretty great. And no. the person's like, so let me ruin it real quick. Would it? No, not necessarily. <laughs> Is that not? I, I wouldn't know. be, I wouldn't be like, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. feel shitty about that. I guess to me, it's like, I feel like I'm more like in the moment. Mm hmm. Because I feel like it's less harsh. But also, I'm not prescriptive. I'm more like, yeah. it's delivery harder or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. wait, bite me so I don't come right now. Or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that versus yeah. like, it'd be great if you actually did this or I don't know. It's yeah. tough. I mean, it's it's like, it sounds like you're it's doing it to get okay. Feedback. Like some people do it badly. Some so, yeah, that's what I want to get to. Like, give some, yeah. give what you think is badly. Try to get our um, listeners some tips, some hot tips. I mean, I don't want to give tips. I mean, what not to do. I mean, like I find like my experience, my experience is that uh, it, it's very rare to find, a, I found to find a woman like that comes very easily um, more often than not. And I've slept with tens of women. Um, <laughs> uh, I, it's, it's come across and, and it's kind of like a weird holiday because it was like, it makes me, it made me feel like I'm just the man, but um, that's rare. Um, more often than not, it's a more difficult process yeah, I found yeah. for women to come. But then, but then, and there are these, you know, partners I've had where it felt like they already made the, the made it this for gone conclusion that they weren't going to come. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of like, Oh, procedural. Just, yeah. And it felt really procedural. Like it was like, Oh, right. it sucks that they've given up. Cause then you're like, up. we're having sex, but you're already not planning on like putting all of yourself yeah. into Like it you're doing stuff because you think this is going to like end it. How often are you, and that's happened a few, are few you times. actively trying to get the, these and no, this Always. sounds like a stupid yeah, I mean, question, but not all guys are concerned with mm-hmm. their partners. Guys, guys, orgasm. I mean, if you're growing up like watching porn and stuff, like all the guys can, you know, hold it and then they can't, they don't come for like an hour and which is like unrealistic. And all the women come the minute that, you know, addicts inside <laughs> right. them. And it's, that's also unrealistic. So we're all kind of like fucked up from that. But mm-hmm. I think like a guy wants to like, if he's if he wants to make a woman come, yeah, and he wants to like last long enough, hoping that by doing so, it will get will get there eventually. Like, and but you're saying always, you're always trying, always trying. Okay, yeah. well like that's that. great. I think I think some people truly like are not like I truly are not even thinking about it or are thinking like all I have to do is like fuck this girl and then she'll come, which I feel like is just rarely the case. Rarely. Um. But yeah, I think in terms of like, yeah, it, there's no right answer of like, this is the moment to have the conversation. Cause obviously that's going to like vary person to person. You know, I happen to like have this whole experience, like 
uh, basically a couple days before I put the blog up, I met my now boyfriend and we've been together this like whole oh, process, That's sweet. which I don't think is like a coincidence. I think after like, I was like deep in this like emotional, like women world of women, um, and sexuality that I was like, Oh, now I'm like ready to be, to meet someone. Um, but I think if I were like out in the world again, single, my MO would kind of be like, okay, see what the first time is like, maybe without having a conversation, totally. unless totally. it organically comes up. And then you can kind of, cause you know, sometimes you do just like have amazing sex with someone right away. Yeah. Um, and then you're kind of like, great, no notes. <laughs> um, but other times, like maybe you realize like, okay, I'm never going to see the person again. So that, so that I think is interesting because that's where I feel like people can have bad habits that are never corrected. Definitely. So it's like, no one's going to take the time if it's just a one-time right, thing so to be like, like by g- the way, you yeah, fuck bad. If like, there's a, I mean, once again, I say this with like total empathy, not trying to be like, fuck guys like this, but truly like, okay, say you're a guy, you have sex with a girl. You're maybe like not totally aware of her experience for whatever reason. Um, she doesn't have a good time. She doesn't feel like you, gave her any pleasure. And then she's like, okay, never going to do that again because that guy's obviously like not in tune with me. Then he goes on to the next girl. It's the same thing. And it's like, yeah, if no one ever sits you down and is like, Hey, it might help if you did for me, at least yeah. that's the thing for me. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and I've done that with people where I've been like, like even the guy in this book that I, once he thought I came and I didn't, I was like, Oh, I totally didn't, but here's what might help next time just like some tips for me the next time. And then did- the next time it didn't work. So I was like, because he didn't do any of the stuff. So I just felt like you either weren't listening or what you have, like some weird blind spot where you're like, not able to like take what we talked about and like apply it. Um, but I think like, it's good that I at least said something because who knows? Like maybe he would go to the next person, maybe try one of my helpful tips. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't work for that person, but it leads to a conversation. I think in a certain way, it's like every woman is like cracking a safe, you know, mm-hmm. and like every woman's combo is different, but like sometimes it could be similar. No. So I feel like every time you're like relearning and that must be sometimes hard for some men, like not everybody learns the exact same way when it comes to anything. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yeah, like experientially to be able to be empathetic enough um, to what your partner is going through enough to then be able to take uh, what they tell you they're experiencing and translate it to what you would do. I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes that's probably an advanced skill that, you know, not doesn't come naturally to everybody. Totally. And we're all programmed to like, you know, not care about that. St- I, I, I feel like just like our sexual education mm-hmm. isn't, we don't in sex ed get a talk that's like, Okay, so maybe like during it, like look the other person in the eyes, kind of like gauge their emotional state. Like we're not really talking about that. We're like, here's how you put a condom on. And I think like for like, if there are any like themes that run throughout this book, I think one is that the emotional experience of women has kind of been disregarded as part of the sexual experience. And I would argue the same for men. Like, I feel like there's this weird sense that like maybe has some roots in biology, but like has maybe been like warped for people's own needs is like that men are just like sex crazed and don't care about anything. And women are so emotional and uptight. And like, I really don't believe that. 
Like, and also that women want sex less than men do. Yeah, which is I feel nuts. like I have so many friends where they're like, oh, like the guy just like doesn't want to yep. have sex with me as much. And I feel like I'm like, yeah, what's this myth that like yeah. guys are just like hard all the time? Maybe when we were like 16, 16, 100 percent. Yeah, <laughs> But like not yeah. now, certainly. So I've I definitely yeah. had partners and I do. That is definitely a popular belief that like f- the female libido isn't as strong. And I've definitely had most of my partners, I would say, have a lower sex drive. Every than single me. guy I've dated, I've wanted to have sex more often than them. Isn't the li- isn't the libido thing like a, a scientific thing? Isn't it that men hormonally peak at like sixteen or eighteen, and women much later? Isn't that, is that a fact? Yeah. Well, that's like know. part of it, but yeah, I mean, I think it is a hormonal thing. I actually just heard this thing the other day. I would have to do like more research about it, but someone was telling me that like when they study. Uh, the brain observing like pornography and stuff. It's like women are turned on by such a wider spectrum mm-hmm. of things than men. Like, like straight women are turned on by like men, women, like mm-hmm. totally porn, whatever. Um, and someone said like, it's because like <laughs> of our ancestors, like needed to be like turned on by more things so that they would get wet so that they would not be in pain. Well, Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's that's a, that's a lot oh to say. Sad, that's sad, yeah. sad so science. So it felt less like rape. You know what I mean? Wow. It's a sad science update. <laughs> but uh, you know, just something to think about. No, I've definitely heard that yeah, women will when they study them watching any sort of remotely erotic material, no matter right. who's the subject, they'll totally get wet. Yeah. Um, but also it's like possible to just want to know enough that you learn from experientially. Like mm-hmm. if you're someone who's like, I don't want, I don't get how I'm reading this or I'm watching this and I don't, this is not for me or whatever. Like, I feel like the main, main lesson is to just pay attention to your partner, whether yeah. you're like male or female or it has nothing to do with anything other than the more in tune you are with the body of the person you're doing mm-hmm. stuff with, the better you'll be at it. Yeah. I had an ex who literally would like, was so good at making me come. And I was always like, Oh my God, how are you doing this? And he was like, Oh, um, there's like a vein that like throbs right here <laughs> on the in- inside of your thigh. And like, I can feel when it throbs faster or whatever, you're going to come or whatever. He was just so matter of fact about just yeah. knowing physically where shit was located. I was like, Oh man, I could just oh, see like men okay. are probably listening. And like, it's like when you say like crack a safe or something, it's like <laughs> men are probably like, all right, so what is the one move I could do that is foolproof that if I just master that one move, <laughs> that's how we think where you think yeah, that there's yeah, like yeah. one move, like, I thought for years I had this one kind of position and move like I was pretty successful at it (laughs) and like and then I just wasn't anymore I was Mm -hmm. like well we had a good run little move yeah I feel like this kind of literature should be like this is a helpful thing that I think (laughs) like young girls should read yeah just so that they know before you and boys and boys Mm -hmm. totally and boys yeah um before you're necessarily even having sex just so that a to like counteract some of the shame Mm -hmm. and B to learn about, yeah, the different things that could turn you on and like the, because there are conflicting things in here and it's like, even knowing that the spectrum is wider than you maybe think. And like you could fall in another part of the spectrum is like kind of powerful. Also, there's a lot of non-binary folks and trans folks and, um, I mean, all of that is evolving too. So like this kind of thing uh, about 
us learning how to give each other pleasure it's going to keep evolving you know i've had conversations with my trans friends where they're like discovering shit about their body as they're going through their transition they're Mm -hmm. like oh my god like i had no idea was like this yeah you know it's like oh everything i'm experiencing now feels totally different and like different things excite me and it's like they would have never known that and i i hope that the literature and everything catches up too that all of our friends that are in those categories like write books to help people understand how to get them off too because it is such a spectrum yeah and i mean i think that not everybody would be up for this but like i would recommend this if you're if you're feeling wild and crazy (laughs) to like literally write an essay like this for the person you're having sex with Mm. because Mm. i love that challenge i think it like there is something just like erotic about reading uh your partner being like this is what i want you to do to me Mm -hmm. that kind of takes away like the awkwardness of like Okay, so maybe I've never said out loud, like, okay, this is what I want to happen to my clit or whatever. So I've made this PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) Right. Because I think it's like, you know, sometimes I watch porn where like people have like really great phrases and I'm kind of like, should I file that away for like when I'm having sex? Like people are just like, say great things that seem to like really indicate what they want. And I'm just like, you know, it's there's something like for me, I'm a writer. So it's like, I Mm. think I'm like better at just like writing it down. Uh, and I think like for most people, like, even if like you're not writing full time, it's like you have a chance to like slow down and be like, okay, what do I actually like? Where does Mm -hmm. the sexual experience start for me? Like, is it like the minute I see that person and like, we're have the eye contact and like, that means something to me. Or is it like, I don't want to know anything about you. I just like want it to be like a stranger and that's like titillating in its own way. Like, what is it? Um, And you can write so many of these for like every scenario. This is very sexy. I mean, I think also the people who wrote in this book um, and like I wrote an essay in this book uh, anonymously. Um, I was going to try to get you to tell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, never. Can we email you with our guesses for what makes you come? (laughs) Maybe. But but I, I just feel like most of us wrote this like in 2015 and uh-huh. now would write like totally different essays. Ooh. And so it's like, this is like an ongoing thing. It's like, I think it'd be super fun. Like when you start dating somebody to just, and who knows, maybe that's not like literally an essay. Maybe it is like a text conversation. Um, they actually but- say that your partner is more receptive. We were joking about it being via text, but um, there's been research where people are more, open to hearing about their partners, like weirder turn ons or whatever, if via it's text. via text or via mm-hmm. like some sort of written where it's not like the person you're looking the person in the eye and you know what I mean? Like you have a second by yourself to process mm-hmm. what the thing is. Ooh, I like that a lot. Cause I think, I think part of it, like when someone's telling you really personal stuff, you start to become like sometimes in your head about how you're reacting. Uh You're like, am I like giving them a face that's like shows I'm being supportive? (laughs) And am I like nodding? Like I'm listening. And am I like not making them feel judged? And I think it's like, you know, we all do that to some degree. So I think like to just eliminate your own response, having to have an immediate response and even like to have to say like, Oh, I like that too or not. Maybe you need a second to be like, would I like that? never done that before okay i'll give it a try or like no i think it would bother me so it's just like does give you some space to do that i like that i feel like we should end on that assignment for our listeners that's such a great assignment i love it yeah i'll do it you all should do it (laughs) we are all doing it it's gonna have to write like 10 letters it's the orgasm letter challenge (laughs) 
And it definitely changes because I think about young Dave, totally different than now. Now it's like... I know. It's almost a time capsule in a way. I love that you suggest doing that because like if you are with the person or even to go back and discover by yourself, but like if you are with that person and it does evolve too, it's just... That's a cool thing. You said you wrote the essay and then you were like, I'm ready. And then you met someone. Yeah. It was almost like you put it out there. Right. A little bit. That's so funny. Monifested, if you will. Monifested. (laughs) Yes. That's great. I'm stealing that. When this podcast first started, it was because I was like wondering what I wanted and like going through that whole thing. And then like the podcast started in earnest and like six weeks later, I had a boyfriend. (laughs) I've been doing doing this podcast now for a few months. It's still nothing. So. We'll, we'll try I to make it. that happen. We'll write, we'll, your, we'll write the essay. We'll write the essay, <laughs> Dave. Don't skirt the homework. <laughs> <laughs> so I highly recommend uh, listeners check out Moan. Uh, Emma, where else can they find you? Uh, well, you can find me on social media sometimes. Uh, oh, why so you negative see about how it? disapproving she looked about what she just said. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just uh, self-conscious about social media. But uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at mjuko. E-M-J-U-K-O, which is my name, Emma Juliet Koenig. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I you were like got... saying like you were a Jew company. You're like, am Juco. And I, I was like, Ju- that's well, I really am a Jew weird. too. I'm like, so I'm that. also a Jewish company, but I would have never thought about that. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good place. Every once in a while, I'll put some updates out there about cool things, but I'm not like going to be showing you like my breakfast. If that's what the content you're looking mm. for. No, but you might I'm announce out. like your next book or something that they yeah. care about. Yeah. yeah. That's way more important. Okay. So follow me, follow me. <laughs> Thank Sounds you so much for coming on and talking to us <laughs> about how to make ladies come. Thank you. And everyone come. Thanks so much. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed the latest episode of reality bites. If you liked what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave us those five stars. And leave us a sexy review. Sexiest review gets a shout out on the pod. And if you guys have any questions for us to answer on the podcast about love or dating, just hit us up at realitybitespod at gmail.com. That's Bites with a Y. And make sure you follow us on all those socials. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's Reality Bites Pod, Bites with a Y. See you next Wednesday.